genre. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents, Doctor Who, The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we will be discussing Amy's Choice, the 11th Doctor's sixth story. And uh, this particular one is, um, yeah, it's it's was just basically written to sort of uh, bring down the budget of uh, of the fifth the fifth series, um, or I guess use the most of the of the season's budget that they had. Um, you know, it was meant to really use the uh, the the most of the um, TARDIS set, uh, which was uh, you know I, a beautiful, gorgeous set. I miss that um, set. I know, so do I. That's what I was thinking while I was watching. I was like, "Oh dear God, <laughs> what a what a beautiful set! Um, just such a nice TARDIS." Uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, they were uh, just trying to sort of um, pinch some pennies and and do a, a semi bottle episode uh, to to save on uh, production costs and that sort of thing, um, and uh, they wanted to do an episode um the uh the the writer of this story simon nye had uh written all kinds of uh british television and things like that but he's most well known for uh creating uh the television series men behaving badly uh which was um a book a novel in 1989 that he had written and then he created the bbc version adaptation of uh men behaving badly into a sitcom and then that sitcom was then adapted into an american sitcom uh i think like i think it was a cbs show or something like that men behaving badly um but that's what he's most known for uh and uh i also discovered that it was uh it was producer barrel virtue who told nye that they should that he should adapt men behaving badly his novel into a television sitcom and then uh Nye would eventually meet Stephen Moffat through uh, through Beryl Virtue because Stephen Moffat would become her son-in-law, marrying her daughter, Sue Virtue. Huh. Uh, hey. So that's an interesting uh, connection there. Um, but uh, yeah, so he wrote this uh, this script and Moffat's Moffat, – Moffat sort of had the season really well formed. Um, he knew that Rory was going to die in the next story, uh, the Silurian two-parter. And so he wanted to have a story uh, that really established that Amy loved Rory, not the Doctor, um, and sort of put an end to – uh, the uh, quote-unquote love triangle that had been going on uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so he wanted to create a story where there was no doubt, absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Amy and Rory were the OTP. Uh, but <laughs> uh, just in time for Rory to get iced in the next episode. Back when that um, was barely, barely a phrase, if at all. No, right. that's, been, that's been around forever, dude. Has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's been it's been it's been around since um, Mulder and Scully, right? Yeah. Um, and was even probably before that, but Kirk and Spock. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know the origin, but I know it's been around a while. Okay. Yeah, because I think it started. Didn't fanfic like start with Kirk and Spock? Oh yes. yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, sure. there was like, oh, what if? <laughs> Forget I don't know characters from uh, David Copperfield hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so this story uh which was originally called the dream lord uh was uh part of the productions block with um uh the lodger so um Mm. that was uh that was uh sort of the the production block with this one um those two stories back to back uh so that was uh good um and uh they eventually renamed it Amy's Choice so that um it would echo the title of Sophie's Choice the uh 1979 novel and eventually film adaptation starring Meryl Streep. Sure, cool. Yeah, great <laughs> cool reference. Um yeah. Because she has to choose between uh her two boys. Um Yeah, that's is, the same as what is what that woman did. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh yeah. So anyway, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much uh, it. Yeah. Wow. What a yeah. What an episode. Yeah. I okay. So um, the first thing that I wanna I wanna talk about um is there has been a long-standing uh uh I guess uh, issue problem something that that um uh that people have with uh Moffat uh as a writer in Moffat's era on the show um which is uh him constantly calling uh making fun of women's um physical appearance mm. in, in like having the doctor do that a lot mm-hmm. and um I'll I'll be totally honest I accepted what everyone was saying as true but I never noticed uh, and then I'm watching this episode and I was like, oh, is this what they're talking about? <laughs> because it's just the doctor, you know, calling – like having Amy call herself a boat and having the doctor be like, wow, you're you're so big. You're you're round. You're like a spaceship. You're so – you're so large. Are you, what – why are you so – you're so big? Um, just <laughs> constantly talking about her pregnant belly. Uh, and I was just wondering like – I guess is that what they're talking about? Is like this? Um cuz I don't know like personally I've always read like those sorts of things uh, as like the doctor being uncomfortable with human biology. I don't know. Like just mm. not I always took it as like innocence or ignorance of just like I don't know what this is, but it makes me uncomfortable like cuz for whatever reason I just like imagine, you know, like the 11th doctor being like Oh, you're pregnant, which means that you two did the oh oh, and like just getting like <laughs> uncomfortable thinking about that, you know? Because he's just like st- he just strikes me as so devotely asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, the eleventh Doctor, uh, 
Uh, so I don't know. That's how I always read it, but uh, apparently others read it differently. Maybe I don't know. What do, I don't, I'm curious what you think, Cass. I don't remember. I mean, I definitely remember someone referring to Amy as the legs, um, and I think like that's yes. What like I'm fine with like the like I don't know. I don't know if I'm fine with the pregnancy thing, but it's like a very obvious like I haven't seen you in five years. Oh my god, you're making a human like. Kind right. of thing as far as like commenting on Amy's everyday appearance, um, which mm-hmm. is a little more problematic. Yeah, the okay. legs was like his, uh, he was like giving everyone a Secret Service nickname because it was when they were hanging out right. in the White House. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It and was, the uh, same, it was, yeah. it was le- legs, the nose, and I forget rivers. Mrs. Robinson. Mrs. Robinson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which um, is its own, which is its own little bag to un- unpack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, though, it is more about the doctor than her. I think uh, it's him being like, "I'm so young now. Look at how young I am." But <laughs> I'm so young. I'm going to call you Mrs. Robinson <laughs> instead of the reality of this situation, which is that I'm like 900 years older. Than right. You. Yeah. I've been hanging out with your folks. Yeah, I've been hanging out with your <laughs> mom and dad. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So Thanks, it was just Moffitt. something I noticed that I remember people saying all the time, and I, I, I had never picked up on it, and so noticing it here, I was like, "Oh, is this? Is this it? Is this the thing?" I think that um, this is like this isn't an isolated incident. Like it happens multiple times throughout Stephen Moffat's um, tenure. Yeah, it's something I'm definitely trying to um, be more mindful of on this, I guess, more critical of this mm. uh, watch through um, because it was not something that I noticed before, but it seemed to like really bother people to the point where they like quit the show. Um, so I want to be mindful of it this time. Uh-huh. It'll be very interesting to, you know, because this is still so early into both Eleven's tenure and, you know, Smith's tenure and Moffat's tenure. Uh I, I, it'll be very interesting to see what ages well and what ages not so well going further into his run, which as we all know would get a little bit more uh, pronounced for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. True. True. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to a point where like, you know, you can, you can, like I could easily, I mean, we, I and mean, we've done it multiple times, just like, you know, improv like a, like a parody of a Moffat episode. We do it all the time. <laughs> sure. You did it on the last episode, Nick. You were just like, you know, like, why are we afraid to look behind <laughs> us? What if it's because there's something there? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have so, to go to the past. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. There there was there are such weird moments during the Moffat run of like, hey, look at those, you know, like, yeah, like, hey, look at her walking over here, you know, uh, like these kind of not, yeah, they kind of do stick out like a sore thumb now. Uh, Yeah. So I will say this about this story. This has always been one of my favorite episodes of series five. And um, the thing that I noticed watching it this time is, um, it feels very padded uh, in a way that – like I really like the sort of philosophical question of like which dream is real. Um, like I, I do like that. But it just 
It's a 45-minute episode, and we're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it doesn't really feel like we're accomplishing anything. And then you have the whole thing with the old people, and like, why is that even there? Like, why is that necessary? Um, the the old people thing. So, like, I I just I I found that I didn't love it this time. Um, oh, I thought it was I thought it was fine, uh, but. I kind of wished it was almost smaller than it is. Um, like I like the, I like the TARDIS stuff and I like the idea, the concept of like going back and forth between the two dreams. But, um, it felt like the argument they were trying to pose, I guess, or the question they were trying to pose about Amy making a choice between these two boys about her future. Um, was interesting enough, but you didn't need all of this extra fluff in here with the old people being aliens, but not like really aliens because <laughs> it's not real because it's a dream. Um, and it just, it, it made everything feel, uh, kind of pointless, which is tricky with dream stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like if they had just, made it simpler and made it really just about the sort of philosophical argument that they're, you know, that they're posing in the story. I feel like it would have been uh, a much better episode as a result, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. But then how would you get her to make the choice that she does at the end? Like, how would you, how would you like spend 45 minutes on this, like, very personal, like, do I run away with, like, my childhood crush or do I, like, actually grow up and get married kind of thing? Right. I don't know. You, you know, it is – right. and Scott, Scott is speaking on something that I think comes into play a lot during the Moffat run of the show, whether the episode is written by him or not, where, like, there seems to be a few episodes – in different contexts, which is even more interesting. It's not like the dream lord ever comes back, but like mm-hmm. where half of the episode or 40% of the episode is revealed to be not real and a very little consequence, whether it's Santa, whether it's uh, old people with eyeballs in their mouths, <laughs> you know, and it, it it's like they'll, they'll introduce such strong or interesting concepts, which is like, what if what if the aliens are replacing? But then it's quickly revealed, oh, no, it's an afterthought. None of it actually mattered. And to me, what kind of found this episode narratively inert to me on this run was I just I, I don't know, like and it's impossible to go back in time and, and forget that, you know, what the game is. But like, yeah, like I found myself every time they went back to the village. I was like, why? Like, why are we here? Like, what 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 are we learning? And right. And I do think I do love how much this episode is focused on Amy and who she is in relation to Rory, who she like, why is she doing like, what is she running from? And I thought that was all interesting. And I think Karen Gillan's really good in this episode. But I, I, I do think I agree with Scott in, in that it, it, some of it did feel like padding to me as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what what. You could change. I will say, you know, in in much almost like in almost a Russell T. Uh, Deus Ex thing, um, the reveal that it was like space pollen, mm-hmm. and that and that the the Dream Lord was the Doctor. It, what a bummer! Like Hard I just, <laughs> I I I just like I love like the Toby Jones in this is so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Like just. 
absurdly awesome. I like I was so looking forward to the doctor having like a mixed like pitlick character, like this all powerful sort of um character who just like shows up, causes mischief and then goes about his business. I was so looking forward to that and that Toby Jones was going to play that character on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like that's so fun and interesting and then it just like, yep, yeah, nope, space pollen. We'll never see that guy again because he didn't really exist. And I'm just like, man, like I just. Yeah, I I don't think I agree about the like fluff stuff that you guys were talking about. But I do agree with that. And like ever since I found out who the Valyard is, I'm just like, dude, what a freaking waste. Bring Toby Jones back as the freaking Valyard. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he's so good. He is. Um, and uh, and I, definitely in a, and a and a character that really could have been played, you know, has a very kind of rote way that it could have been played. And yeah, but with Toby Jones, it is so memorable, even though mm-hmm. he doesn't really do a lot, a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he just he reminds me of like those Superman cartoon episodes with Mixel Pitlick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just like shows up. Like I I love that he he quotes. Jackie Tyler, when he's just like, you and me alone on the TARDIS, anything could happen. <laughs> like, I just, I love that. And she just doesn't even react to him. And then he's just like, all right. And he just gets, you know, he turns back into something with his clothes on. I will say, though, I, I did, as, as, as much as, it, as I do want more Toby Jones in my life always, and as much as I did enjoy the Dream Lord, and I, yeah, every time I watch this episode, I'm like, God, this would have been a cool dude to see come back. I actually really enjoy watching this episode again, or going through these moments in my head, thinking of thinking of it as the Doctor talking to himself, mm. and this just really led being the Doctor letting all of his self loathing out, and it's fascinating to see what he is critical of. Mm-hmm. You know, because everything that the Dream Lord says about the Doctor in a negative, hateful way, it's really the Doctor talking to himself. Right. And, you know, when you look at it that way, way. Yeah. In in a weird way, Toby Jones is is uh, almost playing the 12th Doctor. Yeah. Like, there, there are a bunch of moments in this where he calls out the 11th Doctor on stuff that is going to be paid off. In his next regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Which is like, you know, you don't care about the people that you put in harm's way. This is yeah. a game to you. You think mm-hmm. you're better than everyone. You're afraid. Right. I know how afraid you are. Like in retrospect, and the, yeah. And the bit where where he's in the back of the car and he's just like, "Oh, the old man likes hanging out with the young people, yeah. don't you?" Yeah, That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and Thanks. I think it's and I think it was really it, especially strong to me when you think of. I mean, I think of Eleven being a very, like, almost too comp, almost going into six territory of, like, I'm the smartest boy in the whole wide world. And so, yeah, to find out that this character does have all of this conflict and self-hate inside of him makes him, I don't know, it made Eleven more interesting to me. This you know, I, I know thematically the reason why it's, you know, Amy pregnant and married with, mm-hmm. like, with Rory in the village. Like, I, I get what they're trying to say, but it almost... I almost wish that it was two separate TARDIS situations. Um, like the two dreams were both set on the TARDIS, but in different dire situations, mm. you know? Um, one, it would be cheaper to make for sure. And two, like it just would have been 
I don't know, more interesting. And you could have had like Rory like sacrifice himself to save them in one of them. And then that forces her to like, all right, I'm going to let's drive this thing into the sun because I want to be in the other one. I don't know. Um, I I kind of like because I always forget the um, payoff to this is that they're both dream scenarios. And I like the dichotomy because like these two dream scenarios are like the embodiment of what she's basically choosing. Like the, yeah, yeah, they're like the village is Rory and the TARDIS is the doctor and like, Oh wow, there's Mm -hmm. a cool cold sun. And isn't this nifty? There's like weird old people aliens, but like, (laughs) I don't know. I, I really like this episode. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and speaking, and I guess on the edge of playing to the other side of like, yeah, like the, the village, the village world, you know, the, the Russell T Davies era, was so unique because of his fixation on like the common man. Mm-hmm. Like how did, how does this, how do these big crazy sci-fi concepts affect like blue collar working people? And, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about how admirable that is, even though sometimes the episodes themselves are a little too campy or on the nose. I actually thought a lot of the moments in the village where it was like palpable, how bored Amy was and like mm-hmm. how blissfully unaware Rory was about how boring life was. I found that to be kind of like, Oh, this is, this is fun. I think this is almost kind of a more nuanced way of look doctor who putting a lens on real life than, than Russell T Davies was doing. Mm-hmm. It was more like subdued. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel like though, you know, I think it might be, it might've been better if she wasn't pregnant. I bother. It does bother me that she's pregnant. Cause like, I don't know why, like, I don't know what the payoff of that is in the story. Yeah. Sure, other um, than like adding weight, no pun intended, to the like, well, this has to be real because I'm feeling that I'm pregnant and I'm having pregnant problems. Yeah, but I don't know. But yeah, but yeah, I, but yeah, but you're right. It doesn't really add to Amy. Amy doesn't really have a relationship with the pregnancy other than right. like the the sitcomy bits. Right. Um, I think yeah. that like that too is like taking agency away from Amy, like as far as her body and her like reproductive rights go, is a theme mm-hmm. in Moffat's um, Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not okay with that. But like you can see yeah. the root of that here, um, yeah. which is interesting. Gosh, you're, you're right. It kind of all starts here. And if you had asked, you know, 2011 uh, me, 2010 me, geez, like how much Amy's you know, yeah, pregnancy or body was going to come into play. Yeah, that actually is a really, yeah, it's what's weird now looking back. Yeah. Um, other thing I noticed in this story, um, Matt Smith is just going full weird Trouton energy in this oh, episode. It's so and it's, good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like, are you, do you, now that you've seen a lot of Trouton, do you kind of feel that Trouton energy now with, with Matt Smith, Nick? <laughs> Have I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know if I have seen a lot of Troughton. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, de- definitely like, yeah, the 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 intensity, the sort of always you can always see the great thing about Matt Smith is you can always see the, the gears moving around in his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there's that bit where they're all sitting on the bench and he's just like very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, and I was just like, man, you could literally just wholesale pluck Matt Smith out of that scene and drop Patrick Troughton in it, and you wouldn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would play exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, yeah, no, this is a this is a terrific, I think, eleven episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good performance from him. Well, he's just good this whole season. 
I had never, I don't remember noticing that they used both his A outfit and his B outfit in both of the dream scenarios. I thought that was a really cool touch. I was just like, oh, blue bow tie, red bow tie. (laughs) Yeah. He keeps checking his suspenders to see which which dream he's in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, going, we we were talking last, a few days ago about, you know, how 10 is so 10 in, in Age of Steel and Rise of the Cybermen with his like walking, owning the room, walking around, monologuing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, when, I, when I think of 11, he is like messy, like finicky. He is like rearranging himself and making sure that his tie is right or like not being able to sit down comfortably. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's kind of like a, he's, he's like a little kid trapped, trapped in a man's body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like when he's yeah. all woozy running in the middle of the street and he looks like he's about to pass out. That's like Matt Smith for me. I don't know why, but it's just oh, like, yeah. just like flaily, fumbly 11. Yeah. And it's such yeah. a good, and it's such a good lead up because you get that, like Amy being like, no, of course the doctor will always be in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. And then kind uh-huh. of he's just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also love the beat where, um, where I guess like technically it's, it's, uh, it's probably I don't know, weight shaming, pregnancy shaming a moment, I guess. But like that I, from a certain perspective, but that moment where Rory is like <laughs> dragging unconscious Amy up the stairs and apologizing with each Aww. step. He's just like, sorry, tonk, sorry, tonk. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and, you know, in a, in an arc where we have just done three, you know, male, you know, spare tire companions in a row. Oh my god, been, yeah, you're right. It's it's been really interesting to me to see how the different ways that the show treat uh uh Big Head McGee and then <laughs> Mickey and Rory and how these three men deal with not being the hero of this story that they find themselves in and like mm-hmm. how okay they are with that, you know? And it's funny how as we get Further along, we sort of see Rory, this guy who is very comfortable. Well, no, not entirely comfortable, but learning to be more comfortable with like not being like the big guy in the room. Like, oh, this doctor who really, well, it, who, you who, know, who really likes me. Does she really like me? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really like the difference. Like Adam had no interest in being part of the team. He wanted the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have um, – so he's very self-centered, Adam. Yeah. And then you have uh, – You've got uh, uh, Mickey. Mickey, who wants nothing more than to be a part of the team and earn his place on the team, but realizing that the team doesn't want it to have him as a member. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's and, not a team. Feel, it's, <laughs> yeah, they they don't they don't they're like we don't want to really hang out with you. You just invited yourself and whatever. We want to make uh, out. And so, yeah, and so he, <laughs> so he just goes and he he figures out his his own thing. Um, it's, you know, it's so funny that, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, the episode in which, um, in which, uh, the Rose and Tan are at their most, absolutely most insufferable is the episode right after Mickey leaves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's gone. Finally. Finally. We can just be the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Rory, who is like, just sort of like trying to, figure out where he fits in this and like where he fits in Amy's life and yeah. how the doctor fits in their life. And he's just trying to navigate it. Yeah. You he know, would almost and kind like, of rather, he would almost rather Amy not be on the team. He was like, what's wrong with this? Why are you, why do you have to go off and do this? Right. Like, yeah. 
What's wrong with my team? In a way, his arc in this, uh, especially in this first season, is really about like him saying, like doing the either or, like why can't we just do the thing that we always do? And she's like, because I have other things I want to do. And it's really about like him as a man sort of realizing that she's not there just for his dreams. He also needs to be available for hers. Mm. Like, oh, this person has a whole other life she wants to live. Yeah. And and I need to be open to that if I'm going to be a good husband because we need to be partners in this whole thing. Right. Yeah. So Rory's good. I like Like that stuff is really good, but I feel like that gets muddled the more they stick around. Um Mm-hmm. With their well, own yeah. the thing. more the more plot that happens yeah. to them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it happens at them. <laughs> um, Just let them be happy, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because you yeah. can kind of yeah, because like with with Rory looking around at yeah, what he wants out of like it seems very like like a lot of dude, it's like very informed by like society of like well no you have your wedding day you have your big special wedding day that's like the most important day. And then mm-hmm. you, I become a doctor, and then I, I stay in this town and I help people, and mm-hmm. that's that's it, right? Like that, that's all there is. Yeah, yeah. And beyond that is horror and death, <laughs> <laughs> wakeless misery without end. <laughs> What's coming uh, up for old Rory. Yeah, I guess from a certain perspective, I guess you could see, uh, the the um the uh eye stock elderly geriatrics um <laughs> um their their uh place in that village dream in the village dream that they're um sort of representing like the fact that uh, you know no matter how much he wants this simple village life this other thing is always going to be a part of Amy's life and if he wants to be with Amy, he's going to have to deal with it. Mm. Maybe. Um, except that it kills him, which is unfortunate. But. <laughs> well, kills. <laughs> uh, I mean, it does in that dream. And thus begins yeah. the Rory dying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ah, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that sweet, sweet darkness, my friend. Because... <laughs> You are about to revisit it over and over oh, and no. over again. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. <laughs> For real. <laughs> uh, we get a uh, Elizabeth the First shout out in this. Oh yeah, I know. Is yep. that like one of the first Russell T. jokes that crosses over into the Moffat place, or I don't remember the the Moffat place. The Moffat place, maybe. Yeah. Was that, was it, was it, uh, it wasn't from a, uh, Moffat episode the, the first time that that came up? Oh, um. Or, well, according to Wikipedia, the running joke began in The Shakespeare Code, which was written by Gareth Roberts. Mm. Oh, okay. So, Gareth Roberts then. Oh, then, of course, we all know Moffat. Moffat was the one that really got to, uh, bookend the joke. Mm. That's true. That is true. Good old 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a thing. <laughs> yep. It's coming on five it years. It sure is. It sure is. Day of the Doctor. 
yeah. So that's uh, that's it. Yeah. Um. Oh, this is. <laughs> There's a rumor apparently in this episode that the Dream Lord is an early form of the Valyard. Mm. Uh, but um, this has been left unconfirmed. I mean, oh, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil it for Nick. But Yeah. Yeah. I oh, I wouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's years from now. <laughs> it's true. Um, all um, right. Well, I well, guess yeah. that's Amy's choice. That wraps up. Uh, that wraps up. Season six of The Long Way Around. Next season, uh, season seven, we will be talking about, we'll be starting off the season with the Aztecs. (laughs) 